Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders from throughout the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Senior Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Susan Boffman, President of the 2022 College Football Playoff Host Committee in Indianapolis. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the 2022 Esports Travel Summit, the world's largest gathering of esports tournament and video game event organizers, and the only event focused on the travel side of the esports industry. The 2022 Esports Travel Summit will be held in Daytona Beach, Florida from June 21st through June 23rd. For more details on everything planned at the conference, please visit esportstravelsummit.com. And now, on to the conversation. Indianapolis has hosted eight NCAA men's basketball Final Fours and is known as one of the best college sports cities in the country. On Monday, January 10th, it will for the first time host the college football playoff national championship game, becoming the first cold weather city to host the event and the first city that does not have a regular bowl game to host the CFP. Susan Boffman has extensive experience in making big events special in Indianapolis as the senior vice president of the Indiana Sports Corps for more than two decades before taking the role as president for the CFP's local host committee in Indianapolis. Susan joined us recently for a conversation about planning for the CFP title game, what goes into the local lead up for such an event, how the CFP differs from the NCAA's Final Four, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Susan Boffman, thank you for joining us today on the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This will be Indianapolis's first time hosting the college football playoff championship. What can players, teams, spectators expect from the experience? Well, I think that a lot of people have come to Indianapolis and have really enjoyed the atmosphere of our downtown and our hotel community because it's so walkable. So I feel like with that comes this great ability to roam around and have rivalries and show your colors and really get immersed in the sport of football and sort of the fandom that surrounds that. So hopefully people will come to Indianapolis and walk away thinking that was a don't miss football event and hopefully we'll get to host it more than once. How does this differ from events such as the NCAA tournament, which obviously Indianapolis has a very rich hosting tradition of, or the Super Bowl, which you have hosted before in years past at Lucas Oil Stadium? What is different this time that fans who may have been to various events in your city before will be experiencing for the first time? I think just the idea that we are hosting the football national championship for the first time, we do have so much basketball history. I think that we will get a lot of fans who maybe haven't been to Indianapolis for a sporting event before. So we're excited about that. I feel like the similarity to the men's final four in terms of the university feel and that rivalry that you can only get at college sports is going to be on display in a big way. So that's a, a similarity. I think a difference with the Super Bowl maybe is a little bit more of a corporate customer base that comes to the Super Bowl, who's not maybe tied to one of the two teams. Um, I feel like the opportunity downtown is awesome in terms of being able to basically fly in, drive in, park your car, and then spend the rest of your weekend walking around just soaking it all in. You know, obviously last year, Indianapolis got a giant burst of attention, uninterrupted attention, more or less, with the NCAA tournament that was held in a bubble situation. Obviously, this year it's going to be different. It's not a bubble compared to uh, between the NCAA and CFP events. But what similarity, if the, are there any similarities between the two events? And what impact, if any, did that unexpected extra work from last year have on your ability to prepare for this year? You know, it's not a a bubble, quote unquote. So it's been more driven by the universities and the conferences getting through their season. 
So there have been impacts. I mean, we know on campus, student athletes and coaches and administrations are all trying so hard to keep everybody on the field to be able to play through. So we will take a note from what they've tried to do throughout the whole season, and we'll be following those COVID protocols that they want to carry forward through the CFP. Uh, So there will be attention paid to that. We're not in the free and clear. I think we all know that from recent news. But at the same time, there is the freedom to get out in the city. I think there's a lot of the fan events in particular that are outside, you know, in part strategically so that people can be out. We're in fresh air and really enjoying that, the football weather. In terms of the impact of the last year or so on our planning, I would say, if anything, it's been helpful just because we've had the opportunity to learn from all those who have gone before us. I mean, for you know a year and a half or more now, we've been taking notes, seeing what the leagues were doing, seeing what the universities were doing, and settling into what we think are best practices to keep everyone safe. And so, if anything, I don't think it delayed our planning, but I think it informed our planning. You mentioned how it's not going to be a bubble, but you know, health and safety protocols, where are you right now? And do you hope you're, I know, obviously you're hoping they don't change, but how much do you have as a committee have to be prepared for modifying things as needed over the next couple of weeks? Because obviously it has been for almost a year and a half now, as you said, a week to week situation seemingly. Yeah, exactly. Um, First and foremost, the event owner, which is the national CFP, uh, will work with us and, and tell us what those governance protocols are and we're happy to comply with those. From a Marion County Health Department, which is who governs us here in Center City of Indianapolis, right now we are unrestricted and we are planning for full crowds. And we have the ability at this point to sell those tickets and and welcome everyone into town as well as for the, the fan events. At this point, we are prepared to move forward with a full crowd and we're excited about that. If that changes and we need to moderate, we have got plan A through plan Z (laughs) to where we can reduce an event, where we can do more social distancing and work with the CFP if anything should happen with the the actual venue ticketing. But at this point, we are planning to go full on and, you know, just continue to encourage people to wear a mask and be safe and just be thoughtful about those around them. and, And obviously encourage people who have any kind of a symptom or a cold or anything to just stay back and enjoy it on television. But I think we're we're doing well and obviously keeping our eyes open and listening to all the medical es- experts as best that we can. We're talking a couple of days ahead of the Big Ten championship game between Michigan and Iowa. It's a new matchup for you. You guys have two teams who haven't been uh, traditionally in Indianapolis. Does the Big Ten game serve as, in some ways, a test run for some of uh, the organizational things that you may be planning for the CFP later on this year? Yeah, you know, all these events have their own special differences and size and scope. Um, you know, changes. But at the same time, it's awesome to welcome visitors back into downtown Indianapolis to have them enjoy Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, it gives us a chance to excite the volunteer base, uh, some of whom may be working on Big Ten, but, you know, many of whom would be separate from that. So it's really exciting to get football in the in the forefront. You know, it serves as a great opportunity for us to all test our systems before we're ready to go um, on January 10th for the game. Many events have struggled this year to find enough volunteers. Has it been a challenge to recruit them for this event? You know, Indianapolis is such a great place. Um, during times of COVID or otherwise, we have such the number of people who want to get out and volunteer, I think that they're ready to go. They did a great job in March and not only for sports, they're volunteering for the arts and many other kind of things. So we really haven't had trouble um, recruitment and we're getting ready to conduct our volunteer orientations in about uh, two weeks. 
and we'll be doing some training and then we'll be ready to go in January. Obviously, you guys don't get to have any influence over who's going to be in the title game. It's all just going to be one big mystery until the you mentioned those two semifinal games are held. Would it be there's would there be something extra if you get a Big Ten title game conceivably to a, a Big Ten team? conceivably to make it to the title game or from a purely financial perspective, would an event such as this be more successful if you get teams from outside the Big Ten who will have fan bases that could potentially stay longer in Indianapolis? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm from Big Ten country, right? So I'm supposed to be neutral as an event organizer and I am, but it would be it would be really great to see a Big Ten uh, team get in the national championship. Obviously, Ohio State has made it there before, but it would be great to see Um, One of the teams that are playing through the conference championship here this year, join us in January. From a financial viewpoint, what we've found in the past is basically Indianapolis is drivable within 24 hours of almost the entire United States. Honestly, we're in a pretty great position in terms of whatever teams make it um, in terms of filling the hotels and really reaching our capacity. So I don't think there's a better or a worse, and we're really excited to see who will play in. I think it's exciting that there might be a new mix of teams. You know, just it just keeps everyone talking all the way through the end of the season, and I think that's exciting from a football, from a sport standpoint. Indianapolis, when it hosted the Super Bowl in 2012, it created the Super Bowl Village concept when it hosted the game, and other cities have used that format since. Is there any pressure to come up with something new for this game as well, seeing as how you really did pioneer what uh, that in 2012? I think that's one of the things people in Indianapolis really take pride in. Uh, we run our events based on a lot of committees. We usually have a small paid staff and a lot of professional volunteers that come together. And I always say they are the ones with the best and most creative ideas. So yeah, there's definitely pressure. I feel like as an event organizer, the eyes are always on Indianapolis and we want to show the rest of the world and the rest of the nation that we're a very special place. There's definitely um, pressure to have original concepts. And I think for us, a lot of it has to do with trying to bring in people who may or not care everything about the two teams in the game, but are really proud of the city and try to showcase our city in a way that makes people want to come back. And, and I think it is a fun city to come to. For us, we've tried to do a lot of things in the promotional phase here leading into the event. Uh, we did a tailgate tour with high school football, and we went to high school home games the whole entire season where we both promoted the fan events that are happening here in January around the national championship. But we also honored teachers. So the legacy of the CFP Foundation is to reward and recognize and provide opportunity for teachers. And so all over the state of Indiana, we were able to do that. We had teachers night. We treated teachers like VIPs. It's just been really great. So that that's a really original promotion that we've done. I think you can expect to see Indianapolis in a new light. I'm going to say that. We're going to light up the city. And I think we're going to leave an innovative and interesting impression on people. I think that's it really at the end of the day to say, you know, what's the lasting impression as you leave our city, either in your car with us in your rearview mirror or from the airport? We want you to say, wow, and to have a thing that you carry with you and tell your friends, like, remember when we did this at the CFP, you know, so that's what we're working towards. And we hope to surprise and delight people with that. Is there anything from previous CFP host city activities that you've drawn inspiration from and used in kind of uh, brainstorming your own Indianapolis centric events? Well, having had the great opportunity um, to go to different cities and see other CFPs or other events, I think there's always something that you're like, wow, that's really cool. Like, uh, we're not replicating it here, but one of the things I loved in New Orleans, they did their hospitality on a riverboat right next to the concerts. 
So like that was really special and you can do that very many places. So I think, you know, we do want to leave our mark and be unique and be a place that, that the fans want to come back to. I think we're the first non-bowl city to run this event and we're the fo- first cold weather Northern city to run the event. So, you know, there is some pressure on us to perform and, and we hope people, we have a good friend that says embrace the weather, right? So there's no bad weather. There's just bad fashion. So we want people to pack their coat and their hat and come out and be able to run around and really enjoy this. And so we're putting a lot out there in terms of the downtown that will be fun and captivating, I think, for the fans. You mentioned you're the first city to host the CFP title game that doesn't have a regular postseason bowl game. Obviously, the Big Ten Championship game is a major event in its own right. Yes. What challenges or opportunities does this prep- does this present for you? Not having a bowl game, but now having this. I think mostly it's opportunity. I mean, it would be great to have that history, but there's so much expertise between the teams and the CFP's national office staff in terms of actually running the football game. It allows us a lot of time to uh, work on those fan enhancements, the community engagement piece, the things that we're doing for teachers. And so um, I don't see it as a disadvantage. I just think it's a different setup. It is, it's kind of fun to be the first. That's what is exciting for us to have this event here for the first time and to be a little different as the way that we host it. You mentioned the CFP is run, you know, it's not run by Indianapolis. It's its its own organization. How much do you say, how much say do you get as the local host city for what you want to do this year? Does the CFP come in and say, here are things that are must-haves or are they open to suggestion and collaboration? What is Describe what that process has been like. We got the bid. We received the bid and made the announcement in the fall of 2017. So we've had it for a little while. And I would say our first endeavors were related to the, the legacy programs and outreach to teachers. So we had extra time to work on and build those programs. The relationship with the National CFP office is a really good one. They do have the cornerstone, the foundation of what they want this event to be. They talk to us a lot about what their standards and expectations are. And they have certain annual elements of the event that they have every year, every city. So from the game to providing fan events like the concerts and the fan central and the opportunity to um, sneak in and get that insider view from ESPN Media Day. So those things are going to happen in every city. And then where they let us be creative and really offer what we think will work are all about how do you involve the community? How do you get the fans excited? Like what is different and unique that you can showcase about your city, in our case, Indianapolis? And so that that relationship is actually uh, really strong. And I feel like they're very good at communicating those expectations to us, but then letting us build on them and sort of excel in areas that we think we can be special and different. When this event will be over, how will you measure success, whether it be in terms of community activations, the teacher programs that you've been talking about, but also there is a financial aspect to it in terms of what you guys are able to do in terms of getting visitation, hotel room nights, consumer spending throughout the downtown area. Yeah, our our committee, um, sort of for the intangible side of it, the non-financial, we set out uh, four goals for ourselves. Uh, One being that we were going to create an incredibly positive and unique experience for everybody coming from teams to fans. Uh, We want to show off our city in the best possible way as a vibrant place to live, work, and play. Um, We want to provide engagement opportunities um, that build our community's pride and their ability to get involved in something that's national and really exciting. 
and that we wanted to leverage the sports platform for good things that would be sustainable in our community, particularly through the teachers or anything else that we could consider a leap behind. So those things are all sort of our intangible goals. Then from a financial standpoint, um, we've conservatively estimated that we'd have over $150 million in economic impact from outside spending, which I think is totally feasible and quite possibly COVID permitting. And we get all the normal travelers that we would be well beyond that. And that we wanted to have over 2,500 volunteers take part in this event, that we would book our downtown hotel rooms and make this a very active, vibrant place, all of which I think are very attainable for us. So I guess we'll have to get the report card after the event's over, you know, middle of January, we'll have to talk again about this. Well, looking forward to that. And Susan, thank you very much for your time and talking about the CFP title game. And thank you again for joining us on the Sports Travel Podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trout for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.